V-Day Musings. That's the name of today's little wee transmission, V-Day Musings, on this Tuesday, February 14th, 2023, known as Valentine's Day to some people. So for today, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about pleasure, as well as talking about what happens to the body when a person goes without sex. Interesting topics for today. I don't want to spend time talking about the history of V-Day or Lupercalia or any about that, which the more I look into it doesn't really seem like it has much to do with our people or really even anything that would be really positive and holistic. But this could still be a day for love, romance, pleasure, not just love for other humans and beings, but also love for oneself. So let's start out by talking about pleasure, something that we're sometimes or probably more than sometimes told in this Zyosludge culture is uh, hedonistic or we're presented with things that are supposed to be quote pleasure which really aren't. That's a, that's a big trend these days. So pleasure is our birthright. It's time that we reclaim it. And what are some practices that we can utilize to help us let go of control and tap into our pleasure? And I think oftentimes when people have a scarcity mindset as opposed to a mindset of abundance, and of course, Big Z promotes scarcity mindset and essentially every milieu, when one's mindset is um, subsumed with scarcity, I think it's kind of difficult to letting let go of control and tap into their pleasure because they probably believe that there really is no such thing, right? So what are some groovy ways to let go of control and step into pleasure? Number one would be what I'm doing right now, spending time in nature, what the Japanese call forest bathing. It's still available to go outside and spend time in nature for the time being. I think it will always be available for some people who are so ensconced and engulfed in this uh, cultural dimension, which remember is not real. They may be turned off by spending time in nature. They may be turned off by engaging in the pleasure that spending time in nature is. And remember, when we're talking about pleasure, we're not just talking about sexual pleasure. I think this society and culture assumes that pleasure has to be sexual. And of course it can, and that's, that's wonderful, but it doesn't always have to be. Something else would be putting on your favorite tunes and dancing like nobody's watching. That's a great way to rev the body up. I posted something the other day about power shaking on the channel. And on the last little wee transmission, we talked about power shaking as a way to raise one's libido. Something else would be tracking your cycle. If you're a lady and you're a cycling lady, tracking your cycle is a great way to get in tune, to know the four seasons of your menstrual cycle. It kind of gives you a superpower or an extra intuitive boost in regards to just kind of, you know, knowing where you're at with that. I think that's really nice. And it's nice sometimes to inform your mate so he will know as well where you're at in your cycle. Something else that will be pleasurable would be a self-love massage. You can massage yourself. That's a great practice after you get out of the bath or the shower is to give yourself a massage with some type of lotion or cream. Of course, make sure it's a healthy lotion or cream that's free of xyosludge ingredients, toxins, um, fragrances, etc. I like a magnesium cream because then you get to moisturize your body as well as give it a little bit of topical magnesium. Something else would be self-pleasuring. 
if someone has a mate or if someone doesn't have a mate, this is a way to connect to one's sexuality. We don't necessarily need a mate to be sensual or sexual, something also that the Zao Sludge Society has told us. Of course, there are many different perks to engaging in lovemaking as opposed to solo pleasure, but you don't have to say or feel that you're barred from those experiences if you don't currently have a mate. And if you have a mate that's not interested in that, that's a whole different topic, of course. Putting on your favorite outfit and taking photos, that's something else you can do to get into the mode of self-pleasure. And you don't necessarily have to post them on anti-social media. You can just save them for yourself or maybe show them to your mate. That's how things used to be, as opposed to now where everything has become so exploitative. Um, it's really creepy. I even think about, on another note, all of these youngsters who essentially without their consent or consent, have all these photos and videos of themselves online before they're even cognizant of, of what that is. And that's just very unusual. Of course, a lot of my early life was documented using, you know, photos, of course, ones you had to go to the store and, and develop, or even um, the camcorder back in its, you know, its infancy in the 80s. But it sure wasn't being exposed to randoms on the internet. It was just for, you know, close friends and family. So that's something else I think that really gives us a sense of losing control and pleasure is to not put too much of our lives out there. I think that's a huge trap and I also think it makes people compare themselves to other people when there is no comparison. Everyone is an original, it's just your choice how original you want to be. Something else you can do to get in the pleasure zone is getting sun on your bare skin. That's really nice, or even new something like going into the sauna and getting sun on your skin, not sun, heat on your skin that way. It feels really nice to have warmth on the bare skin. Something else one could do would be howling at the moon. This is a great practice, of course. It may be um, depending on your neighbor's situation. Some people's neighbors are really not conducive to this environment, um, but um, do it as you please. Howling at the moon is a great thing to do. The moon doesn't necessarily have to be full for you to engage in the howling. It could just be something that you do because it's a great thing to do. Making our own noises, making animal noises, stomping around, dancing, these are all things that we have in our tribal past. We just are told through the modern Zao Sludge Society these things are inappropriate. It could be an indication of, quote, mental illness. And of course, I think a lot of what we're told is mental illness isn't necessarily mental illness or it's actually trauma. Trauma is mental illness because when someone's traumatized, it's going to affect their mental health. Just calling it mental illness is kind of it, uh, reduces it to something. It's not, not really conducive. And something else on the list in regards to letting go of control and uh, cultivating pleasure would be letting go of all the fucks and living in your radiance. So not really caring what other people think. Of course, not harming people in the process, but doting on what other people might have thought, whether it's in real life or especially if it's online. That's a total waste of time. It's so mind-zoggling to think that people on these anti-social media applications could be so um, addicted to having kind of the feedback of like tons of thousands of followers that they're actually willing to do permanent things to their body, like, you know, plastic surgeries and other types of crazy stuff, or just do crazy things on videos that just make them into kind of like a persona and not a real human just to get likes. I mean, how different is that than a monkey performing for treats? It's kind of the same thing.
So many ways to tap into self-pleasure or pleasure in general, letting go of control. Doesn't have to be expensive, doesn't have to take a long time. One just has to have the motivation to do so and of course recognize their self-worth. Living in this society, it doesn't give a lot of people self-worth. It makes people feel worthless most of the time and that's by design. A tasteless society makes people feel worthless. Okay, so that was that little tidbit part of the tidbit. And now let's shift gears and let's talk about 10 things that happen to your body when you stop having sex. Oftentimes we hear about the opposite of the benefits of sex. And I've talked about that many times in the broadcast. But today, we're going to talk about what happens to your body when you stop having sex. All right, here's a little bit about this. Okay, so you become ill more often. So our, quote, immune system, which of course is really a support system, the idea of fighting off something is complete fantasy, fairy tale, um, kosher theater, obviously. It's a support system where we support our body via detoxification. So you could possibly get ill more often if you're not having sex on a regular basis. So, win-win. And of course, we're told in this society that we're probably going to become ill more often. Well, that would be if you were having sex with people who are sick. And of course, remember that the whole STD thing is um, a hoax. That's not how it works. People develop those diseases or infections. Of course, infection's a kind of a calmer, less uh, shocking word than disease because of toxicity and because of the psychic vibration. So if you have an experience with someone in a lovemaking scenario that is not to your liking, that's oftentimes when a STD or STI, or I like the old 70s, 80s uh, expression VD, uh, you know, venereal disease, which of course would be Valentine's Day too, which is it's kind of funny on a little side note. But... Um, yeah, that's how that happens. So, of course, don't engage in that activity with someone who's not up to par. And, of course, when we're talking about the benefits of sex and the benefits or the uh, downsides of not having sex, this doesn't mean just running out and having sex with some random person. So I think, I think that probably is already known. I'm, I'm just going to say it. So you become ill more often when you don't have sex on a regular basis. Number two, your stress levels increase. You can get more anxious because there's a decrease in the feel-good hormones being released. Not having sex is stressful. Research even shows that when you're going through a sex rut, you may have a harder time keeping your blood pressure down and dealing with stress-inducing situations. So sex essentially is the ultimate yoga meditation. And it can be yoga and meditation. It could be all of those spiritual modalities all in one. I was thinking the other day about how I could roll all the spiritual modalities into one activity, like, you know, power dancing and pranayama and mantra and mudra and tantra and lovemaking may be the perfect platform for at least the majority of those things. Number three, what happens when you go without sex? You have a harder time getting aroused. To make matters worse, men could begin to suffer from ED, erectile dysfunction, or premature ejaculation when they go a long time without having sex. The Journal of American Medicine found that men who have sex less than once a week are twice as likely to experience ED than men who have sex more than once per week. And once per week isn't even a lot. 
Number four, your dreams will change. On the positive side of things, you may start having sex dreams or even an orgasm in your sleep if you're not having sex regularly. It's not the same as the real deal, but it's a nice substitute. And of course, for men, this could lead to nocturnal emissions. Um, for ladies, typically, there isn't a sheet change that's necessary. Number five, what happens when you go without lovemaking? You lose the urge to have sex. It's kind of like food. You go long enough without food and you fast. You just don't want to eat anymore, right? One of the most interesting parts of what happens to your body when you stop having sex is that you stop craving it. You will start to want sex less if you haven't gotten it in a while. Your libido is going to feel off or different than it normally does, and it's normal if that feels abnormal. Number six, you will grow apart from your partner. If you're in a relationship, okay, I just had a problem with this. Click to the next page, one moment. How annoying. Okay, that's a real bummer. I'm gonna have to go back to the original link. I hate how these web pages are so hypersensitive and the littlest thing you click on will have this happen. Okay, just one second. All right, just loading that page up. Just give me one moment to get that. I'm in the woods, so the reception service for internet is uh, not as spicy as it could be. Fiddlesticks, it's not loading. Let's see. I'll try up, oh, here we go. Okay, we are up to number six. Okay, number six, you'll grow apart from your partner. If you're in a relationship, you may start getting insecure about the connection that you have with your mate. To that end, other people are going to become more appetizing or attractive to you. Take this as a sign that a healthy sex life is important. Number seven, your self-esteem might suffer. You may feel less attractive and more depressed. It's believed that semen has many health benefits, including antidepressant qualities, and no, that's not just something men have made up. Fascinatingly, research shows that women who have sex with their mate um, using a condom report significantly lower levels of what they're using a condom without sex without their male partner using a condom. Wait, research shows that women who have sex without their male partner using a condom, oh, okay, they're without a condom, report significantly lower levels of depression and suicide attempts. And yeah, this is actually kind of a, I would say it's a controversial subject, but I think that's one of the reasons why women of earlier generations before the contraceptive pill and all the things came out, the IUD, all those things. Of course, there's many reasons. This is just one, but it's something from the things I've looked into. I think that's one of the reasons why women were happier because there are some feel-good um, benefits to um, semen. And of course, if someone's a really toxic person, this may change. But if your mate is, is healthy, and of course, I'm assuming people were way healthier back before the advent of the birth control pill and all these other things, I think that's one of the reasons why, um, as a whole, women were happier back in the day. Okay, so that was number seven. Uh, number eight, a man's risk for prostate cancer rises. So uh, it's been proven that a man's risk for prostate cancer rises if he goes without having sex for long periods of time. And of course, there's other things too that have been said about the benefits of seminal retention. I think there has to be um, a happy medium with that. And we live in a society today 
where a lot of men are releasing from a very young age on a very regular basis. So of course, something like the retention movement would make sense because it's, it's kind of like an yin-yang swing, bigger the front, bigger the back. We go from this to that. So there are some benefits to the retention, but if one is never uh, exposing, especially if one is dealing with a lot of toxicity, uh, you have to toe the line there and, and think about what, what makes the most amount of sense. And of course, obviously, when you expose, it's a, it's a reason for that. You're trying to create life, of course, if that's what your goal is. Number nine, the walls of your yoni will get weak. Having sex can be like a workout for your yoni, which plays an important role not just in childbirth and the postpartum period, but in bladder control throughout your life. So I've been hearing stories last couple of months or so of women in their 20s, especially hyper-athletic women who have like a very hypertonic, like very tight pelvic bowl area where the muscles are really tight. And these gals in their 20s, I think not even any of them were mothers yet, they were dealing with um, bladder issues, like having issues with uh, sneezing and peeing and also having issues with prolapse, which is when um, part of the yoni, the bladder, or the rectum actually push down and fall out depending on how bad the prolapse is. But if one isn't engaged in um, the orgasmic dance of lovemaking, what the Taoists call the flowery battlefield, I love that one, or if they're not engaged in some sort of groovy solo um, practice in that milieu, of course your muscles are going to get weak. What happens if you don't do anything with your arms or legs? What if you were laid up in bed for a couple of weeks recovering from something? Do you think your muscles are going to get weak? It's the same thing with your sex muscles. And number 10, uh, there's, on the plus side, the risk of contracting an STI decreases. Well, of course, that I guess would be true to an extent, of, but it's not actually the contagion like we just spoke about a little bit earlier its toxicity and it's having an experience with someone who you don't want to have, whether you realize that before or after. Probably many of us have done something like that. I hope it's in the past for most people, but always use your discernment. Um, don't just engage in that you know, sacred act with someone who doesn't fit your fancy. So those are 10 things that happen to one's body when they uh, stop engaging in lovemaking. Remember, it's not just lovemaking, it's having an orgasm as well. And Oftentimes for women, that's a different or more difficult issue than for men. It's expected, at least in this Zio-Sludge society, that a man always will. And it's almost sadly expected that a woman won't most of the time. And that really has to change. Um, and oftentimes I also hear sometimes some women complaining that they don't have a drive or they're not interested. May that be because the man is not really doing what he's supposed to be doing? If the man was doing what he was doing, the woman would have an appetite most of the time. I think that's really what the issue is. And it's not to put men down for being lousy. I think it's really that men just have to read what women want. And remember that men are different than women, contrary to what we've been told in this uh, this Zio-Sludge society. There are, there are differences. There are differences beyond the way we look physically, of course. And I just want to share this little thing that I wrote the other day that's so... Um, beautifully illustrates how different we are 
and uh, how this can really help us in connecting, not just emotionally, because that's a huge part, but also sexually. So a fundamental difference between men and women is usually that men need physical connection in order to feel emotionally closer. So men, through sex, they feel emotionally closer. Now women, usually, need emotional connection first, and then we will feel safe being physically intimate with you. So it works different ways. So essentially a man has to show emotional connection, then the woman's going to want to have physical connection, then he gets the physical connection, then he feels the emotional connection. Of course, this is just a generalization, but that's typically a woman has to feel emotionally relaxed and in her feminine energy to be aroused in the first place. And we don't see a lot of that, unfortunately. And we also see a lot of men who don't really know how to touch a woman's body and do everything very fast or quick because that's what they're used to, especially if they've been circumcised. So take time today to think about these things, to reflect on these things, and maybe use some of these as... Um, these things we talked about today is motivation for changing your perspective or approach to lovemaking, as well as, um, I don't know, just enjoying yourself, enjoying the moment, you know, thinking about the progress that you've made in this milieu. It's one of these topics that, especially in the quote movement, which as many of you know, I have nothing to do with, there's a lot of um, talk of just being degenerate and that um, you're a piece of shit if you're a woman, if you've had more than one mate, um, or if you're not a mother. There's a lot of just disgusting misogyny. And I was also just thinking earlier when I was taking this little walk about how I've transcended from so much um, multi-generational misogyny in my own family and how what a triumph that is um, for myself, but also a triumph for, for all women, right? especially white women. So if you're thinking about that too, maybe you're one of the first women in your line who's transcended the misogyny of your past, and I'm proud of you for that. So until next time, enjoy this beautiful day. Do something good for yourself. Um, and until we meet again, Satnam.